2: Welcome everyone to another episode of the Rotowire DFS podcast brought to you by FanDuel. I'm Joe Pizzoppia and tonight my co-host is none other than the one, the only Doug Thorburn. Doug, how are you, my friend?
1: Doing really well. Starting to, to get in the thick of things as far as the season goes. Uh, we've already had a couple injuries. We've already had some crazy performances led by UNS business yesterday. So it's been pretty awesome. Yeah, good stuff.
2: You know, by the way, I I love your last name Thorburn. It's it's very like Downton Abbey ish. You found you sound like a very like a British aristocrat. That's why I really like it.
1: <laughs> it I was uh, I don't know if that ties in. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this is Doug Thorburn. I just to, you know, it's a very masterpiece <laughs> I theater. I Really that like that. <laughs> All right, let's try to uh, break down this slate here. Let's start with the pitchers for uh, obviously here Thursday night games. We've got a full slate of games again. We keep having these day games. It's early. Well, it's early in the season, so. We're going to continue to have these early slates that you could choose to play, or you know, you can go play the full in the main. Uh, the top of the board here on FanDuel, we've got Madison Bumgarner at 11,300, U Darvish at uh, 10,400. Those are the big two. Everybody else is kind of more of a GPP play for the most part. So between these two cash game pitchers, are, are you willing to save a grand here on U Darvish, or is it just, hey, let's go to the top of the board, let's get Colorado, who's been struggling and scuffling a little bit, and go with Bumgarner for the extra thousand?
1: You know, I really want to say Darvish because I'm all Darvish this year. I've been pumping them up in every corner I can. I love them to death, but Bumgarner is my favorite pitcher in the game. The Rockies tend to kind of lean a little bit to the left, you know, guys like Blackman and Cargo uh, on top of the fact that they're away from Coors Field, and I'm going to be at the game. So advantage Bummer right there.
2: Well, there you go. If you're going to be there, you got to be there live and rooting. Well, you know I mean, that first start for Darvish was not great. I mean, no, we could no, five walks. Yeah, we we could certainly say that And and this, you know, and the second one wasn't. Uh, you know, it was a better. It was certainly a better effort. Six innings, uh, three walks, only five strikeouts. Uh, the one earned run he gave up, so it was a quality start. Thirty-four points on the Fanduel scoring last time out. So certainly a better one. Uh, But looking at this slate, it seems like it's just begging for tournament play. Uh, You've got guys like Wei Yin Chen out there. You've got Liriano coming off that bad first outing. Uh, But, you know, Liriano last year and in spring, you know, in Toronto was terrific. Uh, You've got the John Grays if you want to go opposite of the Bumgarner situation there. So of these guys so far, I mean, you could even go down to Jimmy Nelson, who's got a terrific matchup. I I look at him uh, and and Nelson there against uh, Bronson Arroyo. I mean, if you can't beat Bronson Arroyo, Doug, I mean, really, you should think about doing something
1: else with your career, right? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I, I do like Gray. I, I mean, he I actually pitched better at home last year than he did on the road, but um, obviously you're going to be concerned anytime anybody is pitching in Coors. In fact, of Gray's big double-digit strikeout games last year, he had six of them. Only four of them – or sorry, only two of them were at home. Four of them were away. Uh, so even though his overall numbers shook out pretty well – I think when it comes to tournaments, he he is a very interesting play. San Francisco is a great venue for pitchers. It, it crushes home runs, so uh, it it really plays into the pitcher's favor. The other guy I really like is Robert Jesselman. Um, he's, I think, 7,300 tomorrow. Uh, yeah, 7,300 for Thursday. He's going against Miami. I'm not a big proponent of Miami's offense. I like what Gisellman does, what he brings to the table. And at that price point, I really like it.
2: Yeah, well, look, I mean, even last year, Gazelman pitched very, very well. Uh, I think the Mets kind of, you know, really hit pay dirt there with him. And you look at it now, it is on the road, and all of a sudden the Mets offense kind of woke up. Granted, it was against Clay Buchholz and the rest of the Philadelphia underbelly bullpen. But but still, I mean, it's it's good to see that offense coming around a little bit of late. Uh, Giselman, obviously, in his first start, you know, was okay, you know, the five innings, it's fine, but he had the seven strikeouts, and that's what you want. So he's the guy that you feel most confident in terms of return on investment there. Uh, certainly cheaper than some of these other guys, too. I mean, you look at some of these those middling guys that I mentioned already, like Liriano, like Jimmy Elson, he's still cheaper than all of those. So basically, you think that ownership's going to be really high on Gazelman this
1: week, or excuse me, tonight? I do think... It, it kind of depends on the way people are going. I haven't seen a lot of attraction towards Giselman, but to me, he's a great play. Um, I think his interest rate should be really high, especially if you want to stack the line up with the bats.
2: What about Eduardo Rodriguez? You got any love for him? I mean, I know he's got some strikeout potential, but it's Boston at home. Uh, it's that makeup game with Pittsburgh, so they're going to be kind of in and out there, which is kind of a, a wacky setup there for them. Chad Cool is the opponent. Do you think maybe you catch lightning in a bottle there with him?
1: I'm not willing to do it. Uh, Rodriguez is so inconsistent to me that it's, it's maybe a, a one in three you're going to get something that you like out of him. Um, maybe in the future, maybe later on down the road this season, I'll be much more rosy about it. But right now, he's someone I'm staying away from. All right,
2: last one I want to get to. Luis Severino, who did not pitch all that poorly in his first effort. Certainly put up enough points to justify ownership, uh, even especially on a two-pitcher side. If you're looking for a cheap other pitcher, I think that you know Severino might have that opportunity. He's facing a raised lineup that has some strikeouts in it. We all know that that lineup can uh, hit the skids at times. Do you have any – You know, at 6,700, is that a guy – i got a huge cost savings because there's some bats and there's some certain stacks that we could look at offensively speaking, where you could pay up and possibly get away with a GBP of Severino. Or is that a little too risky still for him because of the, the limitations as far as, you know, innings pitched and, uh, and as far as pitch count.
1: I think that's, that's a fine play. I, I like Severino. I think he's got the upside when it comes to the stuff. He He'll, Lacks a quality third pitch, but you can say that about a lot of guys like, <laughs> facing Tampa Bay. So he's uh, he's facing a, a not very strong offense. He's the type of pitcher who could spike a really strong performance, and it's six thousand seven hundred. That's a great price. I think he's a wonderful tournament play.
2: Well, I feel like if you can go out there and you can get all the offensive players you want, and turn around, and if you can have you know less than seven k left for a pitcher. Uh, You know, looking in that grouping, you got Chad Cool, you got Ryu with a bad matchup in Chicago. And there's Luis Severino sitting there who, uh, you know, he brought the strikeouts that first outing. I I always give up four runs and I know at times he could be inefficient. You know, he's killed you at other times. I'm not saying this is like your only lineup, but if you do multiple lineups, I think it might behoove you you know to to run him out there in one of them and see what kind of offense you could put around I mean 21 points in that first effort is not too shabby he did have six strikeouts in the five innings all right let's go to the other side of this let's go to the pitchers that we want to troll and target and start to uh, build some offense around and I got to start with uh I gotta start with my aforementioned Bronson Arroyo in Cincinnati I mean Milwaukee uh, you gotta start to like these bats today right
1: Oh, yeah, and Milwaukee has some interesting kind of cheap options. You know, I, I'm really curious to see what Tim's does this year. Um, yeah, Thames and Aguilar are cheap. Obviously, got to see the lineups and check about who's going to be where, but that yeah, ballpark also in Cincinnati like has got to be a good one. Uh, yeah, I figure Aguilar is probably out because there's a right in the mound. But like you said, against Arroyo, anyone picks up. Uh, Bro- Broxton, I really like Keon Broxton. Um, so there's a lot of elements there. I also like uh, – Basically, any Tiger hitter against Phil Hughes, I know Tigers tend to just clobber left-handers, but when the right-hander in question is Phil Hughes, I say go for it. How about Chad Kuhl going back to that Boston game again? That's another guy there with Pittsburgh coming
2: in. Uh, you know, Kuhl, not exactly a guy that I, I think is going to dominate anybody. He has, uh, you know, six walks in his uh, first outing of the year against Atlanta. Uh, that's something you can't afford to do with that Boston lineup. Do you think Kuhl's another guy where you start to look at some Boston guys
1: in the, in the upper echelon tiers? In general, yes, although I think that Boston is getting a little bit too much of the carryover effect from last season. We talked about it last week, but they lost David Ortiz, which is huge. Mookie Betts is yet to get going. They've got a flu going around that clubhouse. You know, uh, Bradley Junior is out is out right now. So there's a lot of areas where Boston's just not at full strength yet. So uh, I don't mind stacking up against Cool, but I'm not quite ready to anoint Boston at this point in the season. Give me a couple of weeks, and absolutely.
2: All right, let's go look at the catchers. JT Real Muto continues to be undervalued no matter what it is, no matter what's going on. Just 2600 Now he's moved up from the 2300 so clearly he's a hot commodity now all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> so he's gained a whole $300 in salary over the last couple of games. But I'm going to go even a little bit further down. I'm going to bring up a name that uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are, and that's once again going against Cincinnati and, and looking possibly for some offense out of Jet Bandy. Uh, certainly not not a Doug Thorburn name, but a pretty good one to begin with. Jet Bandy, uh, so far in the year, he's you know he's got one home run, two RBIs. He's hitting 300. He's not killing you, and for 2300, really return on investment wise, all he's got to do is put up you know six points for him to really at least not kill you, right?
1: Yeah, I I really like Jet Bandy. I think he's got a way cooler name than I do, to be honest. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I don't. I think you're selling yourself short there, Doug. I really do. <laughs> But he's someone I I used a lot last year. I've used a decent amount already this season. I feel like he's very much unheralded. So I, I like Bandy a lot.
2: And so far, talking about that you know, return on investment, so far he's put up, let's see, six or more points almost in every game so far with save two. So, I mean, we're talking about 6.2, a 6, a 3, a 22, a 9 and change, and a 6. So... Really, you're looking at about two 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 and a half times value catcher right here at 2300 who's not going to kill you and playing in a great ballpark against a guy who should give up a lot of runs. Is there anybody you'd be paying for a catcher? I mean, so many guys banged up, Buster Posey banged up, you know, with Sanchez out. Is there anybody else that's worth investing in?
1: Honestly, catcher is a spot I typically go to the low end because it is a beat up position. It does tend to have attrition during the year, at least. I haven't really done the research on it, but I, I'm willing to accept the conventional wisdom in that case. Um, I, I There are some catchers I like, but they cost so much, and the bang for the buck you're getting for it, I just tend to go for more of the Jet bandies in the world. Yeah,
2: and, and it's understandable, too. I mean, I, how, how can you say no right now? I mean, the value's there, the matchup's there, everything's pointed out. Maybe it's a little chalky, but you know, the only other guy, it's like right now, Jason Castro's on a hot streak. I don't know how long that's going to last. But, you know, he's got the matchup against the lefty-righty with Jordan Zimmerman on the mound. And Zimmerman, you know, has been a little spotty in the last year or so. Certainly dealt with enough injuries and problems. There's some weather in that game, too, so just keep an eye on that one. Also, keep an eye on lineups. Let's get over to the first base scenario. We've got Anthony Rizzo, Miguel Cabrera, Carlos Santana, Joey Votto, all 3,700 and above. Also, Edwin Carcion uh, in Cleveland at home, just 3,500, which I kind of look at that one and say, well, there's a bit of a value there. I mean, Encarnacion is just as good as the rest of those guys. I know he's off to a slow start. He's got Miguel Gonzalez there. I mean, certainly, I mean, Miguel Gonzalez is a guy <laughs> that everyone should be able to handle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What, what really interests me, though, is even further down the first base ranks, I think there's a lot of intrigue, right around the $3,000 mark. And our boy, we mentioned him last time, last week, but Jose Abreu, 2900 bucks against Josh Tomlin. Of all pitchers, I I know he's had a rough, kind of slow intro to the the season, but I I can't avoid Jose Abreu at that price.
2: Well, and that's why I look at it, too. You know, certain points where the price is right, and you know even a guy's been quiet means, you know, gone back-to-back bad games in, in Cleveland. You know, these guys, as we always say, play the back of the baseball card, so they should turn it around at a certain point. Going even lower there, is there anybody else that you can justify? Can you justify an Eric Thames against Arroyo? Do you think that's going too far? Or you think you can get no, enough out of things. I, I
1: think it's a great play. Uh, I love it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, you know, hey, look, uh, uh, Bronson Arroyo, dreadlocks and all, no dreadlocks, don't care, whatever's going on there. To me, that's a guy that, you know, if he's going six scoreless innings, then I just don't want to live anymore. So I'm, I'm definitely going that route. I'm going to I'm gonna keep beating that dead horse in the show today as much as we possibly can. Let's go over to uh,
1: the quick other – takeaway before you transition no, go over, ahead. Uh, we have yeah, huh? a free moment. Go check out Bronson Arroyo's release point data on Brooks Baseball. Uh, for any individual game, I'm sure you've noticed how he just completely drops down for the breaking ball, and he, he elevates a bit for the fastball. Um, it's actually the opposite trend that we would expect to see. There are guys who elevate a bit on the breaking ball but drop down for the fastball, but he, his is so egregious. It's, it's like a foot difference. It's crazy. Wow.
2: That's nuts, dude. I mean, it is not nice. <laughs> It's amazing to think he's still around. That—that's the thing. Like you look up, you see Buckholz still kicking around. At least for at least this week, he was. I don't know what he tore or what he injured this week, but you know. But these guys, <laughs> I mean, you look back at, uh, you, you shake your head sometimes. You can't believe these guys are still around. Uh, over on the third base, the other side of the corners, you got Justin Turner doing with a quadriceps injury plus some weather issues. So I would certainly stay away from there. Chris Bryant, this is another one too you got to monitor. Uh, he's forty three hundred dollars. so If you're going to go up there, you got to be sure that you're you know getting a good scenario. Noan Arenado against Bumgarner. It's a tall order there for him. Uh, then you got Machado at Toronto against Liriano. Now, I, get, I know Liriano was bad in that first start. I look for him to bounce back, but even regardless of that, is Machado kind of that guy? Because you got Donaldson banged up. You got Todd Frazier with an illness. Turner and Bryant with weather issues plus injury. I mean, the top of this board, Adrian Beltre out. I mean, really, third base is like a
1: mass unit right now. Yeah, it's, it's bad. So many guys have caveats. I really like Machado, though. I think 3700 is a more than fair va- uh, value price for him. He's facing Liriano, and to be honest, Liriano's been screwing me over for years. And he's someone that, once again, check out the, the data on Brooks baseball, the release point data for any game. This guy switches sides of the mound or sides of the rubber based off of whether he's facing a right or left-handed hitter. And the release point data, data is really funny. You wouldn't expect that from a guy who can't hit his spots. And that's the case with Berriano. I was honestly, after the amazing spring he had, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. After that just terrible, rotten egg of a first start, I'm off of Liriano, so I'm all for anyone facing him. <laughs> there you go. Well, I
2: mean, it just seems to make sense, too, that, you know, even if you do like a certain pitcher, I, I always feel like it's it's okay, especially in tournament play, if you want to go ahead and add a play uh, a batter that you know has good numbers or you know is a good matchup, it's a slam dunk because, you know, there's nothing wrong with the whole solo home run. that That helps everybody, you know you can get the win and get the solo home run there from the batter and all of a sudden things are still peachy Uh, You got travis shaw also the lefty at 3300 against arroyo in this one in this brewer stack i would absolutely be looking at him Uh, i'm sorry that if that's not a lineup builder i don't know what is i know you know i I know he started out really good in the beginning there and he's a little up and down but I, i think shaw's a guy that can contribute
1: especially with this matchup would you agree with that yeah and once again considering the matchup and when it comes to dfs the matchup is everything
2: now, who else on third base? Anybody else pop out to you that you're looking at? You see, uh, in terms of value, return on investment, anybody like, you know, good BVP or good ballpark? Really, you say, okay, that's a guy that I definitely think. I mean, is it even, uh, you know,
1: I mean, somebody a little bit lower down the trough that we're not even getting to? Uh, I like Joey Gallo, and we just found out Agent Belcher is going to be out for a while. So Gallo's got the job, um, at least for a little while. Now, he's batting eighth today against a right hander, and he, if he's hitting eighth, I don't like it as much. But if he's hitting. Say sixth, uh, then I like Gallo. He's a 2,600 over at third base. Um, so I think he's a decent play tomorrow or tonight. Uh, but otherwise, uh, there's not a whole lot of guys down there. Like you said, it's really a mashing into the third.
2: What about Wilmer Flores, a guy who, uh, you know, a lot of times against the lefties, he is in there and he just crushes left handed pitching. He's just 2,700. Usually he's a little bit higher. Uh, in terms of when he is out, out there because of that split being so drastic. Uh,
1: I would certainly put him on my radar. Would you agree with Wilmer Flores at 27 against Wei-Yin Chen? Sure, especially someone like Chen who has been really disappointing. I mean, I thought the move out of Baltimore was supposed to help his home run rate.
2: Well, we we hope for it. Still, I'm still holding out hope for Chen because I own some shares of him in season long because I think last year was just more about the injury than anything else. But, you know, fingers are still crossed. We'll see what happens. And obviously, baseball is here, and don't get stranded out on first base without a RotoWire subscription. And don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you'll get a free six month RotoWire subscription. Just go to slash RotoWire to claim it. You must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible. Users may only be established. One account on FanDuel. That's it. Just one. Don't get greedy. That's FanDuel.com slash RotoWire. So check that out, everybody. Let's go to the middle infield. Second field, we have second baseman here. Top of the board, we got Brian Dozier at 36. Odor, 35. Ian Kinsler 34. Jonathan Villar, 33. To me, the best of all worlds there. Uh, I know the batting average was a little low and I was striking out a little bit, but the power and the speed combination there for 33 with that great matchup in Cincinnati, great ballpark in terms of favorability there. Uh, but let's go further down this grouping and see if we can find some value if you're looking to fade that top of that board. Can't really go LeMahieu against Bumgarner. I really don't want anybody against Bumgarner personally, but there's somebody else that uh, you think might be a sneaky good play. Is it a Devin Travis? Uh, is it a Scope who we also talked about? If you're if you're against Liriano, is Scope another guy who is yet to get going, but maybe, just maybe, Liriano's the guy to do it for him? <laughs>
1: Yeah, you literally took the two names out of my mouth uh, because of Scope for exactly those reasons. And also Devin Travis. Uh, Both those guys have struggled to get going, but we're in such an early phase of the season, it only takes one game to get back into it. You know, what was Cespedes doing before his three-homer game? Right, you know? exactly. Well, that's the thing,
2: too. And you know we have solid players like Cespedes. I mean, it's more so for guys like that, that, you know, very established players, guys who have been there, done that, all-star level guys. I understand the some owners are a little sketch about a guy like Scope, you know, still a smaller sample size. But, I mean, you know, the power is always real, and those guys are going to be streaky, and I think Scope is one of those guys. And I think when they bottom out to a certain price – And the matchup is right and the ballpark is right and everything falls into place. Even if it doesn't hit, it doesn't mean it's not a smart play. And I think sometimes people have
1: to get over that notion too. Agreed. Agreed. And I I do like uh, Kevin Gossman a little bit better than I like Lerano. So for that reason, I'm a little maybe more down on Travis and up on scope. But again, at 2,400, 2,300, you really can't go wrong.
2: Uh, Strupo Cabrera swinging a hot bat right about now, too. He's just 3,200 over at shortstop. Uh, still got that matchup there against Wei Yin Chen, the switch hitter side there. So that's a guy that I would target right now. I- I'm also one of those people, baseball is a game of streaks, so I buy into that. The guy's swinging the bat well. It's a confidence game, and I expect that to, you know, at the right price, be able to carry over. Shortstop, a little bit tougher than second base to fill. Uh, you've got guys like Anderson struggling mightily so far. Uh, and really not as much power as we hope for coming out of this position. Bogart's kind of having a weird beginning to the year for him, too. Where do you go today for shortstop? Because outside Lindor at the top of the board, I'm kind of at a loss right now.
1: I actually kind of like some of the guys that are a little bit lower on the board. I like uh, the former A, Addison Russell. I think he's uh, a good play against uh, Hyun Jin Ryu. And then you also have the current A, Marcus Simeon, He's somebody who can get, he has some pop, he has some steals, he's not gonna help you in average, but again, and this is DFS. I mean, all you really want is a guy who can spike, and against Jason Vargas, anyone can spike.
2: That is an outstanding point. That is a truism. That is for sure. Jason Vargas, <laughs> anyone should be able to get up there and hit Jason Vargas. All right, let's go to the outfield and hit those guys before we sign off for today. Uh, so, obviously, top of the board, you're always going to get those big-time guys. you got Trout at 51. Mookie Betts, just 42. That's a big difference <laughs> as far as I'm <laughs> that's concerned. Insane. That's insane. It's a I, huge difference. And Chad Cool, like I know Betts is kind of you know, another one that's slow with the illness and everything, but a player where I'm looking at, he's usually a good five to $600 more than that number against Chad Cool at home. I'm thinking that Mookie Betts' ownership is going to be pretty high, and especially in cash games today.
1: I think you're right. I think what he can bring to the table versus the other guys at that price point. So you're looking at guys like Braun and Cespedes and Marte at that price point. And Betts, he just offers so much more. And kind of the point we were making just a minute ago about how quickly a guy can turn it around, especially someone like Mookie Betts, who is – riddled by the flu and so he wasn't quite himself he could wake up tomorrow morning and feel great
2: and let's continue to go down there hunter pence also uh not a bad start for him too which is good for the san francisco giants because that's the guy they really need they really don't have a true middle of the order threat you know guys like belt i mean they, they just don't do it for me but hunter pence isn't that guy either and that's why it's so important that he's hitting uh what do you think about uh, him at home today with this matchup that he's got uh, in san francisco
1: He's interesting. I really think it depends more on Jonathan Gray, to be honest, and what he's going to bring to the table because he's the type of player that could dominate on any given day and kind of make the entire Giants lineup moot.
0: Oh, as good right as that scene.
2: fastball is, I always remember Pence being one of those, like, true fastball hitters, and I think sometimes we, we you know, we forget that about guys. I mean, he's getting older, and I understand that, and I understand he's not the player he was five years ago, but, you know, young kid who wants to, you know, challenge guys with a fastball, I think a wily little veteran like Pence, that might just play right into his game. Yeah, crazy eyes. That plays right into him. <laughs> <laughs> now, the week one player of the week, uh, Nomar Mazzara, uh, is just 3,300 now, uh, you know, got Ricky Nolasco in terms of matchup I and mean, he was red hot last week you know I'm not expecting him every week to go out there and just be you know player of the week but I'm looking at 3,300 as a salary for a guy it's got a great skill set in terms of you know power and on base potential and I'm thinking that's also a pretty darn good value as well
1: yeah there's actually a lot of guys right in that sort of 2,800 to 3,300 value range that I really like I we've got Ben Intendi against cool um, he's 3,200. I, I think that's a, a solid play. You got Jacques Peterson against Chase Anderson. He's 3000 even, uh, Corey Dickerson against Severino. He's 2800. So there's a lot of guys who could just sort of spike that bomb for you. Or in the case of Benintendi, someone who's more of an all around kind of guy, but he could, you never know, bring a multi game to the table.
2: All right. So basically, what's your strategy today? Are you looking for Baltimore? You're looking for Milwaukee? Are those the two offenses that where you're saying this is where I think the uh, the run total is going to be? This is where the expectation is going to be? And maybe is is there one that we're missing? You know, the other night we missed the Mets in Philadelphia. May, not all of us, but I mean, some some of us you know had shares of it, but maybe not as much as we should have. Is there some other spot? Is it Boston? Is Boston kind of the uh, the sneaky one with the Pirates basically coming in and out of town and kind of being a tough turnaround?
1: Well, I can tell you're a big fan because it doesn't sound like you're, you're cool too much, which I don't blame you. That's oh, kind
2: of, I mean, you know, Chad, cool, you know, <laughs> come on. I mean, what's to like?
1: <laughs> I, you know, I, I kind of like Oakland again because they're facing Vargas and they have a lot of pretty cheap, reasonable options. They've got guys like Stephen Vogt. They've got guys like Simeon um, and Chris Davis. I mean, that's another guy too who can have a multi-homer game anytime. Exactly, and and. Facing someone like Vargas, that could happen literally at any time. Uh, so I, I definitely like kind of what they're bringing, uh, what they're bringing tomorrow today, and then, um so like I said, any A's, and then I, I do not have much respect for Josh Tomlin. If there were more White Sox bats that I felt good about, I would be stacking White Sox. But there's just not enough bats to go around, and that's really the. The, the two sides of the coin there. I definitely look at the pitcher first. So someone like Bronson Arroyo, you obviously want to try to stack against him, but certain teams are just top heavy or are too evenly spread. You know, whatever it is they, they either do or they don't present a good option as far as stacking your lineup. And I think Milwaukee does provide that option, especially because their players tend to be kind of cheap. So you can do that. And then also find those value pieces that you like. All
2: right, that's Doug Thorburn. You can follow him on Twitter at Doug underscore Thorburn. You can follow me on Twitter at Pizapia 17 For Doug and myself, I want to wish you guys all a great day of playing Daily Fantasy. That'll do it for us on the roto DFS podcast. We'll be back again tomorrow, as always. So, hope you win a lot of money, and uh, give us a little credit if you do. Have a great day, everybody. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.